we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is, some of his attributes and characteristics, and uh, tonight we'll look at what is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. We're only taking two sessions to talk about him, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next specifically in the Old Testament, in Genesis. The Bible says a lot about the Holy Spirit, both Old Testament and New Testament. I ask um, look here with me at verse number 13, would you? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. We're going to see here uh, the baptism of the Spirit, which takes place in the per person's life at salvation. Uh, it says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, For by one Spirit, says, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Look at verse 14. For the body, talking about the body of Christ, is not one member, but many. But many. So you have, you have the body of Christ, you have many members of that body, one body, but everybody who's within the body of Christ was placed there by the Lord Jesus Christ, and really baptized, saved, placed into the body of Christ the moment we were saved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit um, does a lot of different things, both in creation, uh, both in drawing people to be saved and convicting people in salvation, sanctification, and then one of the, I think one of the most uh, wonderful uh, works of the Holy Spirit is the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that is one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that tonight as well. Let's pray. We'll ask God's blessing, and then we'll uh, jump into our study tonight. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for this assembly of believers tonight. Thank you for the ability to gather and look at your word. Father, I pray that you'd glorify yourself in our hearts tonight. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your spirit, uh, for him living inside of us and never leaving us knowing everything about us, um, when we're weak, when, we're, when we think we're strong, Father, when we're, when we're tired or sad, uh, he is right there with us, each one of us individually, helping us, encouraging us, comforting us, consoling us, strengthening us, all these wonderful things. Father, what a, what a blessed gift your spirit is to us in our lives. Father, I pray that You'd be honored tonight as we look at your word and learn about this wonderful person, God living us by his spirit. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can look over, if you would, to John now. John chapter 16 is where we'll look next. What is the function of the Holy Spirit? And that is the question of tonight. Uh, really, one primary question. What is the function of the Holy Spirit uh, first of all, I want to look at salvation, what the Holy Spirit does in our salvation. When you were saved, and I was saved, when we were saved, uh, there probably are different things that we remember about our salvation. We can remember where we were, maybe um, what state we were in, how old we were. Maybe we can remember that, maybe we can't. Um, we can remember a lot, maybe we remember different things going on in our lives. Um, we remember truth that we, we were familiar with. We remember knowing that we were sinners. We remember knowing that Jesus Christ, God's very son, had come and died in our place. And that day of salvation, 
It, we've, we've com we comprehended those truths and we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and we were saved. When we think of our salvation, we often don't think about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a, of a person who is being saved. But letter, letter A, it says the Holy Spirit brings conviction into the life of an unbeliever. The Holy Spirit brings conviction into the life of an unbeliever. Now, how many of you know somebody, maybe you're burdened for somebody who is lost? They've, they've never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know God as their personal Savior. How many of you know somebody like that and you're burdened for that person? Okay, a number of us in this room are. Um, sometimes we feel guilty, right? Did I say enough? You know, should I write another letter? Uh, did I did I say as much as I should have said? Or maybe you thought this, maybe I said too much. You know, I said too much. I offended them. I, I shouldn't have gone there. And we can think about these things. We can overthink those things. But you know that the Holy Spirit is actively working in the heart and mind of that individual that you're concerned about. It's not just you. Um, it's not just you or maybe a preacher. I can remember as an evangelist sitting on the platform with the pastor and people coming in the room and the pastor leaning over to me and saying, okay, that family that just walked in, they're unsaved. So, you know, and I can remember thinking, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, like you've known these people a long time. You haven't been able to lead them to the Lord, but you expect me to pull out my gospel message magic pistol to somehow get that person to believe upon the Lord. And um, some of us have known people that are lost a long time and they've been, they've been, they're still lost. And, and maybe even we've started to give up hope, but the Holy spirit is actively working and he's con bringing conviction into their hearts. I asked you to turn to John 16. Look there with me, John chapter 16. And I'll begin reading in verse number seven. This is an amazing passage. Verse 7, he says this, Jesus says, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you, the disciples, that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, the word reprove there, it's a legal term. It has the idea of to convince or to convict somebody of sinfulness. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We don't often think of the Holy Spirit doing this. Sometimes this happens during a message. A sermon is being preached and someone can sit there. Maybe you would say, Pastor Seth, that was me. There was a day in my life I can remember where I was. I was sitting in a place the preacher was preaching and the word of God was coming I was hearing it, and I came under such incredible conviction. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working in the life of even an unbeliever, convicting them of sin. In verse 9, he goes on, he says, of sin, because they believe not on me. So the Holy Spirit convicts and convinces people, you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't believed on him. You've been rejecting him. This, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, he says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Verse 11, of judgment. These are all things the Holy Spirit 
convinces people of, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Satan is judged. And, and notice the tense of that. It's not that he's going to be judged. He's already been judged, found guilty, and sentenced. It's all done. It's just a matter of when the judgment is going to be carried out upon Satan, the evil one. And the Holy Spirit, his work in the world today, and he works through our lives in, in, the, lie, in the hearts of people who know us, unsaved people who know us. If you, work with, with co, if you have co-workers who are unsaved, or maybe some neighbors who are unsaved, I hope, I hope you've taken the opportunity to tell them about, about the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means, okay? Um, so when hard times come in their lives, they'll think of you and they'll think, you know what, I can go to my neighbor and they can tell me, they can help me because they have the truth, okay? But, but the Holy Spirit, even after we've walked away from a conversation he is the one who is actively convincing the world of sin because of unbelief, of righteousness. And they know the Spirit is telling them, you're not righteous. You're a sinner. You're, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. You're in danger of hellfire. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit communicates to lost people. You know, at Trinity, I want Trinity to be a place where people, anybody, can feel welcome here. I want that. I, I want Trinity to be the place where anybody can feel welcome. But for an unsaved person to come to Trinity, should they feel comfortable? Should they feel comfortable? Now, they should feel welcomed. They should know that we welcome them. They should know that we love them. But should they feel comfortable in a place where the word of God is being taught, where where there are born-again believers all around them. The, and my, my point is this. The Spirit of God should, it should be working in their, hearts about, in their hearts about sin, their sinfulness. I'm a sinner. And, and, there is, and, and I'm not righteous. I fall short of the glory of God. And, and beyond that, there's a judgment coming. So in a sense, an unsaved person, while they ought to feel welcome around you and me, no matter where we're at, at the same time, there ought to be conviction, deep conviction in their hearts. There ought to be something that's just not right, that they can't quite get settled. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God, and this is his job, not ours, okay? Um, it's his job, but the Holy Spirit of God is convincing them of their need for a Savior. That is a good thing. And every one of us who are saved, that had to happen in our lives. Uh, we didn't want to feel it again. We didn't want that conviction again. We tried to avoid it. But what was that? What was happening? The Spirit of God was working in our lives to save our souls. And by the way, if you're here tonight and you've never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and maybe you've sensed this, you felt this conviction oh, about sinfulness and, and the judgment of God and your, un, your inability to do what is right, I want you to know something. Uh, that, that's not the people of the church. That's not the people who love you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God's Spirit working in you to bring you to himself because he loves you and he wants to save you. So don't say no to the Holy Spirit if he's working in your heart that way. Say yes to him. Um, number one, a person must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. A person needs to be born of the Spirit 
to enter the kingdom of God. What do do we mean by that? Of course, this is coming from uh, John chapter 3, where Jesus spoke with Nicodemus. And uh, and Jesus said, ye must be born again. He said that to a full-grown man. And Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, said, I can't. I can't enter a second time into my mother's womb. So you can see where Nicodemus' mind was. Jesus says, you must be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, I can't go be born again in my mother's womb. And uh, Jesus was talking about a spiritual rebirth. And when a person is saved, they're born again spiritually. They're born again spiritually. A person needs to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. In John 3 and verse 5, notice this. Jesus answered and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that would be a, a physical birth. We're all born of water. But not just born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. How many of us here, and don't you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us here want to someday enter into the kingdom of God? And we want to live in that kingdom where God rules and reigns for all of eternity. I look forward to that day. Um, justice, righteousness, holiness, truth, purity, peace, joy. All of these things will be a part of that kingdom. I look forward to that day. I want to be a part of that kingdom. And by the word of God, I will be a part of that kingdom. But a person becomes a part of that kingdom not by their own works, not by what they're doing, not by being a member of a church, not by giving, um, and not by just being born onto this earth. You know, hey, here I am. God loves me. Which is true, God does, he loves you. But a person can only be saved if he is born of the Spirit. And uh, the Spirit of God is working in our hearts, working a person's heart to be saved. By the way, I think I put it in your notes, but apart from the Holy Spirit, no man could ever be saved. Apart from the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit cleanses the sinner of sins. Of all sins. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So he actually plays a big role in in our salvation. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, it talks about how the Holy Spirit cleanses the sinner of all sins. He talks about us being washed and how he sets the believer apart for his service. That's called being sanctified, to be set apart. This This is all the work of the Holy Spirit. We're washed by him. We are set apart to serve him. And we are justified by the Holy Spirit. He declares us to be righteous. That is amazing. That's amazing. You know, God's not interested in us declaring ourselves to be righteous. You know what? I think I'm good. I, I'm better than most everybody I know. <laughs> Boy, that would be a proud, arrogant attitude, wouldn't it? Um, God doesn't ask us to declare ourselves to be righteous. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who declares us to be righteous. And you see it there in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. He says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, and ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let me ask you this question before we move on. Have you been washed by the Spirit? Have you been sanctified by the Spirit? Are you being sanctified by the Spirit? And have you been justified by the Holy Spirit? Have you, has the Holy Spirit declared you to be righteous 
This is, this is the salvation of God in our hearts. Number three, there is renewal and regeneration by the Spirit. I can't, whenever I hear the name or hear the word renewal, I can't help but think about, is it gas tank renew? Is it in Swartz Creek or something like that? Okay, I hear these commercials on the radio. And uh, I think I've seen one on TV too, where they basically take a gas tank. I didn't know there was a business. I didn't know there was that many rusty gas tanks that weren't in a business like that. But apparently they take these gas tanks that are rusting out and maybe beginning to leak. And they take them down, empty them all out, and renew the entire gas tank and put it back in. You basically have a brand new gas tank. Um, the Holy Spirit took us, when we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he moved in, took up residence, and he is renewing and regenerating, giving life. Well, something that was dead, completely dead, couldn't communicate with God, couldn't hardly see the truth the word of God could be preached to them, and they couldn't hardly see it. And the Holy Spirit is, is renewing. He's, this is part of our salvation. Titus chapter 3, in verse number 5, I believe, says, By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And he says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is the one working in our hearts to save us. I also see in our, our handout, Sanctification. Sanctification, letter B, the Holy Spirit actively works to make us like Christ. The Holy Spirit actively works to make us like Christ. Would you look in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8? Because I want you to see this in, your, in its context. I'm going to put a couple of uh, verses from this passage up on the screen. So you'll get to see it there. But I want you to see it in its context because it's pretty neat. And I'm not going to really present it the way it's written Romans chapter 8, and look back to verse 26. Because there's a couple of passages here, and I'm going to refer to them, but we often refer to them separate from one another, but they're not separate. They're actually, they go together. And the two things that I'm referring to, one is the truth that the Holy Spirit of God prays for us and intercedes for us. We're all familiar with that. And that's in verses 26 and 27. The second part is how, um, how we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And we tend to think of those two truths separate from one another, but actually they go hand in hand. And the, there's a person involved in both of those activities or actions. And the person is the Holy Spirit. God is involved by his Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. He says, likewise... The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we have the Spirit of God in those two verses making intercession for you and me. He prays for us, he intercedes for us. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit of God is, he is actually interceding for us when we don't even know what to ask for. But now we come to verse 28. And the Holy Spirit who's making intercession for us accomplishes a mighty work in us in verse 28. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And the Holy Spirit of God would be praying for that purpose in the first, those first two verses I've read. Verse 29 says, for whom he did foreknow, 
God knew who would be saved. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And again, in the context, we don't often think of this, but the Holy Spirit from within us is working to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, he actually is working in our hearts to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll draw your attention to it here, but he tells us there to be conformed to the image of a son. The Holy Spirit is actively doing that. Not only does he pray to to that end, not only does he intercede for us to that end. I mean, there are times in our lives, is it not true, that there are times in our lives where we don't want what God wants. Are there ever times like that? There are. Well, you know what? Even at that time in our lives, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. He's interceding for us according to the will of the Father. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I think of times when I was maybe in college and uh, coming home and my dad being concerned about me. And he could tell that my love for the Lord was not what it should be. And my dad talking to me and engaging me in conversation and uh, asking me what, what I cared about in life and, and trying to, I can remember now, he was engaging me in these open-ended questions to try to draw information out of me. And he wanted me to let him into my heart and to see a little bit of what was really there and where I was. And I can remember my dad praying for me and being concerned about me. The fact is, there were times where I was in Wisconsin and my dad had no idea where I was. He thought I knew, he thought he knew where I was. He didn't know where I was. There are other times, no doubt, where my dad maybe had some concerns about something, but, but I was struggling in another area, right? My dad is, he is, uh, finite. We're finite. We don't know all things. Um, the Holy Spirit, he never leaves us and we can never leave him. We can never leave him. And wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, whatever decisions we've made that have taken us down a path, the Holy Spirit is right there. He's right there. He's going through it with us. And I'll even go so far as to say, when you and I enter into sin, the Holy Spirit is right there. And we sometimes grieve him greatly, cause him to hurt and ache and mourn. Uh, We quench him, but he never leaves us. He loves us. Uh, He is the inheritance that God has given to us. He is the assurance that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And I'm so glad that at times in our lives when we are wandering from him, at times in our lives where we are not thinking biblically, we're not thinking honestly, we're not thinking rightly, uh, and maybe even those who are close to us don't know how to pray for us. And and maybe at times in our lives we're not in the mood to pray or we're not praying We're not even wanting what God wants. The Holy Spirit from within is still praying. He's making intercession for us. And why is he doing that? Because he is wanting to make us Christ-like. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to be like Christ. He wants the world to be able, our unsaved friends and relatives, to be able to see Christ in us, our neighbors to see Christ in us. Number one, the Holy Spirit comforts us. How does he conform us into the image of Jesus Christ? Well, he comforts us. He comforts us in John 14 and verse 26. It talks about the comforter. Okay, and that word comforter 
uh, comes from the Greek word paraclete, which is it's kind of a, 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 law, a, a law term. Or you might have a lawyer that comes to your side in your defense to defend you. And we have a paraclete. We have the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter. And he does teach us. It's very comforting to know that the one who dwells within us is our personal teacher. Have you ever been in a class and the teacher's talking and all you hear is, well, wah, 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 wah. Have you ever been there? Don't say anything right now. Be kind. Uh, sometimes, I suppose we've all been there. Or maybe we've had to go to the remedial class, you know, because we just, they weren't connecting. There's a certain subject. You know, we get certain subject, but then there's another subject and it's just, all going past. Well, the Holy Spirit is our—he's our teacher, and He knows our learning level. <laughs> he knows the language we speak. He knows what we need to learn. He knows where we're deficient. Um, there have been times where, um, where I needed instruction about something, and the person giving me the instruction went back to the very beginning. And I was like, you know what, I already know that. I just need to know this. Well, the Holy Spirit, he never, he never gives us more information than we need or less information than we need. He always gives us exactly what we need to know. By the way, the Bible uses different analogies to help us understand the Holy Spirit. One of those analogies is a dove. A dove is not a bird of prey. A dove does not impose his will. Okay, A dove is easily scared away. And, uh, and the Bible likens the Holy Spirit to a dove. And I would say it this way. He's not going to force the truth upon you. He's never going to leave you. He'll, he'll go with you on whatever path you take in life. Whatever decisions you and I take in life, he, he will go with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Never give up on us. But can I encourage you, and, and I think of myself as well tonight as I, as I say these words, can we be receptive? Let's be receptive to the Holy Spirit's instruction to us. Um, growing up, my parents used to refer to it as that still, small voice. And I can remember telling my parents, I've never heard it. <laughs> How quiet is he? You know, could he speak up a little bit? It was my thought as a child. But he's not going to impose himself upon you. Uh, to the humble heart, more grace will be given. So be somebody who, let's be people, let's be students that are humble, ready to hear the leading and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us. In chapter 16 of John, in verse 13, it's, he tells us there that he will guide you. Jesus says he'll guide you into all truth. And then it's interesting, it says there that he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he, sh he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know, we live in an age of lies, we really do. And that's not necessarily unique to today. I think that there have been eight different ages throughout human history that have been uh, characterized by that. Different societies have been characterized by deception and lies. We live in an age of lies. There are a lot of lies out there. Our own hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But the Holy Spirit, he's our guide. He's our guide. So the good question for us tonight would be, are we following our guide? Wouldn't it be great to go on an adventure? Tyler, we could go on an adventure together. 
We'd have to get on a plane and fly. Let's say, let's say we fly down to South America somewhere and we land and there's mountains that are so tall. And, but we have a guide. Okay, we're gonna, it's not just you and me. We're going to have a guide come with us. And we're going to have to climb these mountains and then we're going to have to go across these long bridges. You know, they're swaying. And hold on, Tyler. Hold on to the rope. We get to the other side and then we get to go swimming in certain places and maybe jump off of not too big a cliffs because we don't want to worry your grandmother. But we're going to jump off some cliffs together and go swimming. And, and then maybe the guide would say, okay, we see a, a really neat river. And we say, hey, we want to swim here. And they, the guide says, no, don't swim here. Don't swim here. There's some big snakes in there and some piranha or something like that. We'd be so thankful for the guide, right? We'd get to see beautiful views and beautiful rivers and maybe some wild animals. But I sure would hope I had a guide, that we had a guide. To, to keep us away from the dangers. You know, we're going through life. It's an adventure, to say the least. There are some beautiful views along the way as we go through life. Wonderful things to experience. But you know, there are also dangers. There are also pitfalls. The Bible tells us the, the, the devil is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom we may devour. And I'm so thankful that we have a guide. We have a guide. And he doesn't, he doesn't run too far ahead. Hey, where's our guide? He doesn't disappear. Uh, but we need to be in tune with him and listening to him and following him. He's our guide. Uh, we're talking about the function of the Holy Spirit. Number three, he intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for, for us. In Romans chapter 8, and I talked about this already. We, we turned there and read it. But in verse 26, it says there that the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit pleads for us when we pray. He intercedes for us when we don't pray. He always asks for what the Father wants. He always asks for what the Father wants. Sometimes you and I don't. Sometimes we ask for what the Father doesn't want. And boy, those can be miserable times. But the Holy Spirit always asks for what the Father wants, and He intercedes for us. You know that the Holy Spirit knows what we really need, and he prays for those things that we really need. And when an individual receives Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, he receives the Holy Spirit to dwell in his body. Colossians 2 and verse 9 says, For in him, that is Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ. And it says this, And ye, speaking to us as believers, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In other words, a child of God has no need for more of the Holy Spirit. You don't need any more of Him. I think I heard somebody once say, when we were saved, when we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we got all of the Holy Spirit that we would ever need. But did He get all of us, is the question. Are we yielded? Are we surrendered? that he can use us and direct us, our thoughts and our minds, um, our, our, our bodies and the abilities that God's given us, our time. Have we yielded ourselves to him? The, the truth is this, that we have all of the Holy Spirit that we need. We have all of him. He lives within us. Let me ask you this question. I jotted it down earlier. I think I put it in your notes. But would anything change in your life if the Holy Spirit were to leave right now? The real question is this, are you following him? 
Are, are we following him? Would anything change in, in our lives if the Holy Spirit left right now or would everything in our lives just stay the way it is? If, if, if we're following him and all of a sudden he left, we'd be lost, wouldn't we? we we'd, we'd be missing our guide. Hello? Where'd he go, Tyler? Where'd he go? Where's our guide? Um, we'd be missing our comforter, wouldn't we? If all of a sudden he left and we're, depend we're depending upon him for comfort and consolation. We'd be missing him. We'd be missing the truth, our teacher. But if we're not following the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden he left, we wouldn't even know that he was gone. And sometimes, even within a believer's life, we can depend on our flesh, flesh dependence, and just be trucking along, going through life. And, you know, really, we're, we, we don't look to him for guidance. We don't look to him for direction. We don't look for him for, to, for instruction. We don't look for him or to him for comfort or consolation. We're just going through life. So it's a great question. Would, would you notice if the Holy Spirit left you? Now, will the Holy Spirit ever leave a person who's saved? Yes or no? No. In the Old Testament, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon the Old Testament saints, David, uh, uh, Moses, and others. The Holy Spirit would come upon that individual, but then the Holy Spirit would leave them. Whew. And sometimes we give them a, a hard time. <laughs> like, what were they thinking? And here we have God living inside of us by his Spirit. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And sometimes we look back at the Old Testament saints and we say, well, what were they thinking? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And sometimes we still choose, I'm not going to listen to you and what you're saying to me in my life. Don't Let's not be like that. Let's not be like that. Uh, I also see exaltation. The Holy Spirit's work is exaltation. Let her see. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lifts him up. We talked about that this morning, didn't we, in 1 Peter chapter 2? Uh, as servants of God, uh, God sends us back into the culture where he has us to subject ourselves to every ordinance of man. These human institutions, in, in some cultures, kings, and in other cultures, governors, and they're not always godly people. They don't always have our best interest in mind, but we're servants of the Lord. And, and the whole purpose was subject yourselves to every ordinance of man. Why? So that we will exalt the Lord in that culture. So that there will be a lighthouse in that culture. That those people will know that there's a God in heaven. And they'll get to know about that God. About the one true God. Because we... We do what is, frankly, against everything inside of us. But we're honoring and obeying our Lord and our Savior and our, our Master, our Supreme Authority. Well, the Holy Spirit, if we want to do what 1 Peter chapter 2 commands us to do, we know this, we have an advocate, and that advocate, in this case, is the Holy Spirit, and he's actually working for the same thing, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be exalted. That he would be exalted. In John 15, verse 26, the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to 
through you and me, he wants to tell other people about who Jesus Christ is. He wants us to lift him up. He wants us to magnify him. He wants people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And he wants other believers to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ as supreme, as Lord. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's working to do it. The ultimate function of the Holy Spirit is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we exalt, or when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're disobedient to the Holy Spirit, when he's leading us, and by the way, the Holy Spirit will always agree with his word. Okay, this is very important. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to go contrary to the word of God. So, if the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, honor thy father and thy mother, what is the Holy Spirit going to say? He's going to say the same thing. Isn't that great? So it's one thing, like in Awana, we learn that verse, and we memorize it, we know it's true, I'm to obey my parents, I'm to honor them, I'm to obey them immediately with the right attitude, sometimes I don't feel like it, now I know, I know it's true, I have it memorized, but you know what, there's something else in you, someone else in you, it's the Holy Spirit, you're saved, and he convicts you, and he speaks to you, and he leads you, he, can, he convicts you sometimes, you're not honoring your mother. You're not honoring your mother. You're not obeying your dad. You need to obey your dad. Obey your dad. He'll lead you to do that. You have a helper. He's actually helping you and helping me. Why? Because it exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. It exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. So obey the Spirit. Exalt Jesus Christ. Obey the Spirit. Exalt Jesus Christ. Disobey the Spirit and dishonor Christ. It really is that simple. Obey the Spirit, and Jesus Christ will be exalted. Disobey the, disobey the Spirit, and Jesus Christ will be diminished. And uh, I could ask us this, this evening, how many of us love the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did for us? Yeah, I do too. Took my sin, he died in my place. The Bible tells us that we, we do love him because he first loved us. We want him to be exalted. We want him to be lifted up. We want him to be magnified. And there are times in my life where I've been convicted and I thought, you know what? I, I don't know that I'm doing a good job exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Or at times even I'm doing a poor job exalting and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the easy answer for that situation, wherever it's found. Obey the Spirit. Exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Obey the Spirit. Exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll end with this, Roman numeral 2. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? There are so many other things we could talk about about the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned a couple of them, but quenching him, extinguishing his influence in our lives, grieving him, causing him to grieve and to hurt. Certainly those are things we could talk about too, but what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? Um, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. So we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Uh, well, in that passage, the obvious answer would be that we're not to be under the control or the influence of alcohol. Alcohol unleashes the lust of the flesh. That's what it does. You want to turn loose your flesh? Alcohol will help you accomplish that. Don't do it. It's unwise. It uh, leads to regrettable things, shameful things sometimes. 
Um, it mocks the man who drinks it. It'll make a mockery of him. It'll make him look like a fool. So wine, the Bible tells us, be, be careful of it. Stay away from it. Abstain from it. Don't drink it. Um, but in that context, he says, be filled or be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit, letter A, is to be controlled by the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit, to be under His influence, to be under His control. Now, I can, I can resist Him when he, when, he, when he encourages me in that still small voice to, to do what I know is right, to respond the right way to a disagreement with a fellow brother or sister in Christ, or um, to respond to my children the right way. When the Spirit of God is leading me to do that, I can say, no, they need to hear it this way. Okay, that dishonors Christ. It will always dishonor Christ. But I can choose not to be filled with the Spirit, or I can choose to be filled and to be under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. But we cannot be filled with the Spirit unless He's controlling every area of our lives. So it's an, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Either I am submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, and I'm saying yes to Him in every way of my life, in every area of my life, or I'm saying no to Him. I think it's, it's dangerous, and I do not believe it's true for us to believe that, you know what, I'm filled with the Spirit here on one half, but not on the other half. No, no, no. I'm filled with the Spirit on the right side of my brain, but not on the left side. No, no. Um, you're either, we're either filled with Him to the point of overflowing, or we are walking in the flesh. We're operating in the flesh. Now, this is, this is interesting. I was saved at the age of five. I grew up attending a Baptist church my entire life, okay? Um, I remember going to West Rome Baptist Church down in, uh, I think, Jackson, Michigan for a while. A couple other Baptist churches, but Trinity Baptist Church since I was eight years old, 1987. My parents moved here. Um, we attended almost every service. Heard Pastor Scott, he was my youth pastor, preached a lot of sermons. Pastor Saunders preached a lot of sermons. Um, I knew how a Christian young boy, young man, was supposed to behave, how I was supposed to look, how I was supposed to act, what I was supposed to say, okay? And my parents trained me up in the way that I should go. And so I had training, some discipline that, that helped me. And these are good things. These are not bad things. But sometimes when, and there are some young people here, and you're being trained up in the way that you should go, and uh, your parents and grandparents have helped you, and you're growing. And sometimes, uh, for some of us who have grown up like that, we actually are depending upon our flesh. And, uh, and somebody else could look at us, and they would say, wow, what a, what a great young man. But the truth would be, I'm depending on my flesh. I'm not filled with the Spirit. I just know how to act. Now, as a parent, i got to tell you, this is a concern of mine for my children. 
I don't want to just train up my children to know how to act, how to behave, how to look the part, to know what to say and when to say it. In other words, to speak the party line. That's not what God's called us to do as parents. And the fact is, whether whether uh, a young person is unsaved or a young person is saved, the flesh is equally vile and wicked. The saved young person who's grown up with these standards, which are wonderful, they're good, they're, they're good, they're wise, it's good to have these things. So nothing wrong with the standard. Sometimes we learn how to act. We're good actors, like movie actors, you know, um, thinking of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. There were some zealous actors in that movie. Um, so you have different actors in different movies, right? They know how to act the part, okay? And sometimes within Christianity, there are actors. And by the way, it's not just children either. Now, when I talk about acting, I'm not saying, well, you know what? I don't want to be an actor, so... Here's how I really feel. <laughs> no, no, please. Hold hold it in, all right? Um, but I think the danger is this, that we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. And it's very important for us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. To be listening for that still small voice. To be yielded to him and surrendered to him. And that, you want to know... We want to talk about well, how can you be filled with the Spirit of God. I think one area is to be surrendered, to be completely surrendered. Lord, whatever it is that you want, I'm willing. I'm willing to do. We think about that when we talk about missionaries. You know, they're willing to go anywhere, uh, do anything. But every one of us, every day, ought to have that attitude. Lord, I'm completely surrendered to you today. Whatever you have for me, it's not my will, Lord. It's it's not my will, Father. It's your will be done in my life. So be completely surrendered. Submission, surrender has the idea of to give up. Surrender has the idea of to give in. And I think if we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, we have to be, if we're going to, have to be controlled by Him, led by Him, someone who's not going to impose His will, He's not going to strong arm us, He's not going to drag us along, He's not going to do it. I have to be willing to give up my will. And I have to be willing to give in, submit to his will. Lord, I want to do your will. I want to know what your will is. And I, I want to do it. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. I want your will to be done in my life. So to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. Letter B says to be filled with the Spirit is the normal Christian life. I've talked to you about that before. You know, we think of something that's normal. We kind of think of it as mundane, not a big deal. But to be filled with the Spirit is exactly what God wants. This is normal for him. This is what he wants from you and for me. He wants this to be normal for us. In other words, he wants it to be abnormal when we're in our flesh, functioning in our flesh. He wants it to be normal for, for one of his learners, one of his disciples, to be surrendered and to be submitted. That's what he wants. That should be normal for us. It's not always normal, is it? Um, our culture is in complete rebellion against God and truth. But here's the thing. So is my flesh. 
And even if I look at the culture and say, wow, wow, that culture, it's terrible. My flesh is in rebellion. Which is why it, it can't enter into heaven someday. And even those of us who are older in life, we still know our flesh is in rebellion to this day. After all these years, it's normal, though, for the Holy, uh, for us to be following the Holy Spirit. That should be normal. We ought to make that a goal. Don't think of it as unusual or a moment once a month where we get right with God in a service. Don't, don't, please don't think that way. Think about, I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God, not just in this moment of confession of sin, but I want to yield to His Spirit tonight when I go to bed. I want to say yes to His Spirit tomorrow morning when I get up. And then, okay, I, I'm, I'm probably going to fall at some point this week, but you know what? I, I want, I'm going to confess that it's sin. His Spirit's going to lead me to do that. And then I'm going to forsake it. And I'm surrendered. Lord, what is it that you have for me today? How do you want me to respond to my wife today? How do you want me to speak to my wife today? And I'm talking in a marital situation here, obviously. My children, how do you want me to interact with my children, my co-workers? Spirit of God, lead me, guide me, I, lead me. Here I am. You live within me. Um, be in control of my life. In Ephesians uh, chapter 5, there's uh, a few verses I want to just read to you briefly. But it really it gives us an outcome of when the Spirit is in control within the church. And I'm going, to read, I'm going to read some passages to you in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 19, the Bible says this. He describes a church that is filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, we're not doing this because we have to. I, I love this morning you all were singing. Pastor Scott complimented you on that. But when we're filled with the Spirit of God and we start singing about the Lord, whew, it's exciting. Some of us, don't we don't sing that well. Well, we make a joyful noise, and it's wonderful to lift our voices and sing praises to God. The Spirit will lead us to do that. In verse number 20, he goes on to describe what a Spirit-filled church looks like, giving thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21, he says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'm going to submit to my brother in Christ, to my sister in Christ. Why? Because I'm going to consider them to be better than myself. Why? Because I fear the Lord. Uh, verse 22, he goes on, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's a spirit-filled wife in the context. In verse 25, we see the spirit-filled husband. Husbands love uh, uh, with an agape type of love, sacrificial love, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then verses 26 and 27, he says that he might sanctify, cleanse. This is the result of the spirit-filled assembly of believers, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's not a church with a bunch of lofty standards. That's not a church with a bunch of ultra-disciplined people. That's not a church with a high accountability program where we're spying on your phones. You know, that's not, that's not the church. You know what it is that church is? That, that is the church where the congregation 
are saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And it's glorious. It's beautiful. It's amazing. How can we be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, I'll ask you this, and we come to a close tonight. What comes out of us when we're shaken reveals either spirit dependence or flesh dependence. What happens when, when we're shaken? You know, in my garage, we have a, a two liter of Fago pop. It's grape. Oh, it's good, Dr. Norell. I think it's good for you. It's fruit. No? All right. It's not good for me. But it tastes good. Grape pop. You know pastors drink grape pop. Well, they do. And uh, But you know what? If I were to shake that or drop it, Ian, have you ever dropped a two-liter before? Yeah, all right. So anyway, if you drop a two-liter, whatever's inside of that comes out. If I drop the two-liter of Fago pop, grape pop, grape pop's coming out. That's because of what's inside. Sometimes you and I feel like we've been dropped. Sometimes we're shaken, and what's on the inside comes out. And I, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 5. And what comes out when we're shaken? Is it love and joy, peace, goodness, anger, maybe jealousy, bitterness? Or revenge. And I want you to know something. We can't be filled with him. We can't be filled with the spirit. If we're quenching him. Or if we're grieving him. The Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the spirit. Is love and joy. And peace and long suffering. And gentleness and goodness. And meekness and temperance and faith. There's no law against any of those things. I've watched. Some of you, many of you, when you're shaken. And if you're sitting there right now thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know what came out when I was shaken. I, I have a bad memory of negative things, actually. So that's good. But I've watched so many of you shaken. And out comes peace. Or joy. Or long-suffering. And I want you to know that's a sign of being filled with the Spirit of God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And maybe some of us tonight need to ask the Lord, Lord, or maybe to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm surrendering myself to you. I'm submitting myself to you, whatever it is that you have for me. See, if the Holy Spirit were to suddenly leave the world completely, would it make any difference in the way we live day by day? Would it make any difference in Trinity Baptist Church if he were no longer with us? Would it change anything? If you're a believer, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That means God lives inside of you. God in all of his fullness lives in you. It's a wonderful, wonderful reality. And may we not grieve the one who lives within us, who's holy. May we not quench the one who is working in our lives for our good and for his glory. You know that a church is a holy temple. It's the temple of God. He lives within us. He dwells within us. He resides. He works. He moves. 
And we need to know that. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again child of God, no matter how old or how young. We're going to go out tonight. We're going to leave. We're going to interact with our spouse or our children in conversation. Things, Thoughts are going to come into our mind. The Spirit of God is going to speak. He's going to convict. Tomorrow morning, throughout the week, he's going to convict. Everywhere we go, he goes. He's interceding for you. He's faithful to you. He loves you. And our response is, say yes to him. Just say yes to him. So many times in our lives, we've said no to him. This is God we're talking about. Living within us. Let's say yes to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, may we be yielded to him. May we trust him. May we love him. May we serve him. Thank you for his faithfulness to us. Thank you for his goodness to us. Thank you for his long suffering in our lives. Father, I pray for some young people tonight, some some children I pray, Lord, as they go home tonight, thinking about these truths that the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. I pray that they would listen and they would obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God, help our children, the children in this room, grandparents and parents. Lord, help us as parents. Help us not just to train them up in the way that they should go. Help us just not to, to raise actors But Father, give us wisdom, and may our children learn to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, and may they learn to say yes to him. And we pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Don't forget the meeting.